Blog Talk Radio. You are listening to Core Talk with Johnny O. In order to bring forth true change, you have to dig deep inside of something. You have to get to the core, the root of the issue. Welcome, everybody, to Car Talk Radio. I am your host, Johnny Ova, and uh, I just want to thank everybody. Apostle Jeremy, thank you uh, uh, so much for uh, your time tonight. Um, and, uh, yeah, sorry, man, for the technical difficulties here. We have this this board over here on my screen, similar to the one you had. It's showing me that I have somebody uh, on, and uh, I don't know why the number is uh, busy, but here we are. <laughs> so... <laughs> How are you doing today? Uh, still alive. Still alive. Thank you so much for having me on. I'm excited about this topic. Uh, it's a very interesting topic, but uh, I'm excited about it nonetheless. Amen. Absolutely. I want to introduce you, Jeremy, to to our, our, our audience tonight. Um, and uh, for those of you who don't know, uh, Jeremy is a, is, a, is a friend of mine, a, a cohort, a, a co-laborer. Uh, he's down in Tampa, Florida. I'm up here in obviously Long Island, New York. Uh, Jeremy Gibson is the husband of his best friend, uh, Gabrielle Gibson. He is the natural father of six beautiful children. He's the author of a book, Prayers That Break Witchcraft. He's also the founder of Awakening Church. Uh, and Jeremy has a heart in networking and fathering ministers around the world. He and his family reside in the beautiful Brandon, Florida. How far is that away from Tampa? It's right there, right? Oh, uh, yes, yeah, right there, right next to it. Not too far at all. Awesome. Awesome. All right, well, we're going to dive right into our, our topic tonight, racism and the church. And for anybody listening, if you want to call in, if you have any questions, our call, guest call number is 914-205-5647. Uh, again, nine one four two zero five five six four seven. And uh, before we get started into this topic, Jeremy, that obviously needs to be addressed, man, and and conversation needs to be dialogue around this. I want I want you to introduce yourself a little bit about your background growing up. Um, you know how you came into the church, and uh, and just kind of give everybody a little bit of brief on you. Uh, most def- most definitely. I was introduced to the church. Well, first of all, thank you again for having me tonight. It is such an honor to come uh, and uh, talk about this discussion with a friend. You know, it's one thing to talk about it with a stranger. It's another thing to have it with a friend. So uh, that's, uh, that sets a different tone uh, and a different comfort level in discussing it. But nevertheless, <clears throat> I grew up around the church and the church being within the inner city. Uh, from that look, uh, from that perspective, my uh, I actually grew up with a family who was in ministry. My grandfather, my great grandfather, and so so many other men of God in my family were deacons, elders, and pastors. Uh, so primarily on my dad's side of the family, uh, we have those who were in church leadership. Uh, perspective, and then on my mom's side of the family, majority of those individuals were um, "quote unquote" uh, uh, unsaved, <laughs> and so they uh, they did you know uh, uh, what anyone would do, living in sin, 
And so, and so I had kind of both of those worlds I had to kind of navigate between, uh, uh, living with my mom and living, you know, living in sin and enjoying the pleasures of sin. And then, you know, with my dad's side of the family where it was the Bible all day long and prayer and, uh, scripture and living holy and standards, uh, that I did not necessarily have on the other side of the track. So I grew up in the inner city. Right. Uh, uh, between two worlds, which led me to uh, uh, living a lifestyle in the streets, quote unquote, uh, and that uh, and that uh, pretty much that mindset, the whole mentality. Um, one of the things I want to just uh, you know set the record straight: I am not one of those "woe is me" type of people. Uh, <laughs> uh, I am, I am not. I, I don't want pity. I'm not looking for any. Uh, but, but nevertheless, how I grew up uh, was how I was raised, and it was, I was raised in the projects. So I grew up uh, being introduced to drugs, crime, uh, fatherlessness at a very, very young age. Uh, I knew more uh, about the way the, the underground system worked uh, uh, at the age of 13 than I did how, uh, uh, you know, uh, how you know, uh, capitalism worked. You know, or or business worked depending on different households, and so right. and so I had to navigate the world of the church, and also this underground street reality of of trying to survive. You know, we have to survive, and so you do anything you can to survive because you're not given the opportunity. Um, not that it's not out there for you to get; it's just that you don't know how to get it because resources are not made available to you in that environment. Right. And, I, and, and I think that was the number one issue that led me down the path that I went down, ultimately, which is bringing me here today. Wow. That's awesome, man. It seems like, and, and again, knowing you personally, I know the people listening right now don't have a, a history, but you you have come a long way. You have a, a, a wonderful family, a, a beautiful family, uh, all serving God. Your church is just on fire for God. And uh, I love watching the, and, and seeing all the things that that God has you doing, man. It's really it's really great to see. I appreciate that, man. You know, just to give a little bit of background, so people that don't know, um, I was I skipped school at the age of six years old. Um, uh, actually, no, no, no. I'm sorry. Uh, between the ages of six and seven and a half, going on about eight, eight years old. Uh, it started when I started, uh, 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 my family started going downhill uh, in regards to the drug and the crime rate. Uh, and what I mean mm. by family, I mean my mom and my siblings uh, because okay. of that. And which led me, you know, my mom was on, my mom is, was on drugs very, very heavily. She's been off drugs for over 20 years now. So, I mean, thank God for that. Uh, I right. actually led her amen. to the Lord. So thank God oh, for wow. that. But during that time, yeah, yeah, amen. But during that time frame, she was heavily on drugs to where we barely saw her. So between the ages of, uh, of I would say about between the ages of eight and ten years old, uh, uh, we were uh, homeless periodically. Right. Um, and then between the ages of ten to thirteen, I was skipping school to go work in the fields to pick peppers and all types of vegetables in order to feed my family. I would make $6 a day, and I would use that money to provide for my family at the time, uh, basic wow. necessities. We were so poor that we literally ate out of the trash can, man. And so, you know, uh, uh, 
literally, I remember swatting flies off of food in the garbage can, eating it. Um, you wow. know, from the ages of thir- 13 to, to, to 16, you know, my mom was, you know, over trying to overcome her addiction, which led to us being homeless. She ended up moving inside of a, a homeless shelter with, with three of my younger siblings, which, which led me homeless because any male that was over the age of 15 could not come. So because of that, mm-hmm. at 15 years old, I'm on the street. And so wow. uh, 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 my family members wouldn't take me in. Uh, as in, so I had to, you know, at that age, a person living in, you know, the slums, you know, what, what do you turn to when you can't get a job because you're too young to work? Uh, and, you know, every, everyone around you is, is, you know, either selling drugs or robbing or stealing. You turn to that because you have no, you have no, really no uh, uh, parental influence to, to guide you. So the result is, you know, survival. So I turned to drugs. Um, and, uh, you know, my family didn't want me to stay with them because I was a drug dealer. And then when I saw them, they didn't want me to live with them because I didn't have any money. So it was right. a catch-22. Uh, so, you know, which led me to living a life of crime. I was in and out of juvenile detention centers. Oh, man. Uh, uh, at the age of – I'm going to really quick give a background so no, people know. Yeah, no, definitely, please. We, we get deep. <laughs> no, no, so, yeah, no. Uh, <laughs> so at the age of at the age of eighteen, uh, just I'm fast forwarding all of this. You know, I was gang related, affiliated. Um, 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 you know, really, really heavy into street gangs and violence. Uh, in and out of detention homes. By the age of eighteen, um, I was uh, uh, right before I turned nineteen. I, I had an encounter with Jesus. Uh, a li- literally, a Bible, biblical encounter, not not a goosebump. An actual, an actual encounter with the Lord that, that turned my whole life around. I mean, literally, I, I was never going back. Um, wow. um, when I had that encounter with God, several things happened, which I'm not going to go into now, that led to, uh, 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 led to me uh, uh, really just being sold out for God, which led to the first experience of racism uh, 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 experience in the church we'll get into later. Uh, which from that led to me backsliding and telling the Lord, if this is what your church is about, I don't want anything to do with it or you. Right. And I wow. left. I, I left. I left God. I left the church. Went back to the streets because from my that mindset I had. What you got to understand is that the mindset of people that are, that are so in, impoverished and, and, and with sin in uh, 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 that type of community, their thoughts. They thought their thoughts are. These people have, haven't turned on me, so I can trust right. them, which is a false reality. But, but right. it's a reality nonetheless, and so that's the reality I had. And so I went back out there. I ended up, ended up uh, 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 getting, you know, getting involved worse than I was before. Um, uh, make a long story short, I was looking at uh, 30 years to life in prison uh, wow. for a crime I did commit. They did have evidence, and I pled guilty. I, I did it, uh, and it was pretty much, you know, drugs. It was drugs because, you know, I was not a okay. violent person. I was not. I was not trying to to hurt anyone. I was just trying to get enough money to get out of this situation. That's that's right. how I saw it. And, and though it's though it's a a skewed perspective, it's the perspective of those in that environment because that's the lie they're fed. And so, right. um, uh. uh 
we, you know, I did that. Nevertheless, the Lord, through his grace and mercy, I repented, gave my heart back to God. I ended up uh, 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 being uh, uh, offered, you know, just to do a few months. I took the few months. I got out, and I haven't looked back. That, that was at the age of uh, 19. I haven't been back since. Um, I'm 38 now, uh, 39 this year. Been serving the right. Lord 20 years. 20 years hmm. now, haven't, haven't had an incident, haven't had a run-in, haven't had none of this stuff um, because I, you know, I focus on helping others and bettering my community. And so uh, but that's just a little tidbit so that way those on the line know that uh, uh, my background. Absolutely. I appreciate that. And thank you for being uh, so transparent. And uh, a couple of things you'd mentioned, uh, especially in the beginning, you know, it, it is good to have this conversation with a, a friend. This isn't a, uh, uh, an easy conversation to have, but it's a necessary conversation that I think needs to, to, be, to be had um, to, to continue to dialogue. But more importantly, after that, um, to come up with solutions in regards to this racism mm-hmm. topic. And so, you know, I, you know, I know you uh, to a degree and to a point, and I, I knew of your testimony, but I thank you for sharing that for everybody listening uh, here. Again, I'm with Apostle Jeremy Gibson um, from, uh, uh, from, from Brandon, Florida, of Awakening Church. And, uh, you know, we're really going to dive into this today. Uh, it, it, Jeremy is a brother that I truly respect and uh, I, I just value his, uh, uh, I value his opinion. I value his word. Uh, I appreciate his life because, you know, from what I see, he, Jeremy, is that, you know, your character just exudes out of you. And so people with faulty character don't necessarily like that. Fake doesn't like real. Um, and so... Um, you know, seeing that and, and your hard work and, and the success that you've had, even, you know, outside the church and, and then all the great things that God's using you inside the church. Uh, I just think you, as soon as this whole incident would have mod happened, uh, I wanted to get on and you were the first person that popped into my head. So again, thank you for taking the time to dialogue with me about this very important topic tonight. You're welcome. You're welcome. So, so one of the things you mentioned before sliding back into, uh, into, into the streets and back into your lifestyle, uh, you had mentioned that it was the first time you dealt with racism. So let's, let's start there. Um, you know, talk about the first time you noticed or experienced racism within the church framework. Okay. The first time I can uh, remember clearly when I experienced it and recognized it for what it was, is when I was a roommate with an individual, I had literally gave my heart to the Lord. I was about one year into salvation. Uh, and, uh, I was uh, going to Bible college at the time. And one of the individuals I was roommating with, uh, I was the only African-American in the, in, the, in the apartment. It was about four or five of us, uh, one Hispanic individual and two uh, Caucasian individuals. Um, okay. And so, so we were all there. Um, we went to a house church one day, and inside of this house church, you know, we were there, and someone gave me some money. It was like, hey, I want to, I want to bless you, and uh, no one knew about it. They did it kind of privately, you know. Right. You know how we do. We want to sow a seed. We don't want to make a big thing about it. So he's like, hey, man, I just really feel led, you know, to bless you. So he gave me some money. I was like, cool, thanks. 
uh, well, one of my friends who had the car at the time, uh, the Caucasian friend of mine, he went to uh, get gas. He didn't have any gas money. And he was like, you know, I believe in God for money. Well, you know, duh, I have money. Someone just sold, sold <laughs> gave me some money. So I'm like, I'm thinking, I'm thinking to myself, let me put some gas in my friend's car. You know, and I also don't want him to know that I'm the one doing it. So I told him, I said, hey, man, God's going to bless us. Just pull over to the gas station. I'm believing God with you. Because at the time, you know, we were very kind of religious. So we didn't want to just say, hey, we got the money. He was like, you know, keep, you know, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. So we're very, <laughs> very religious. Very religious. But anyway, so uh, uh, we go to the gas station. I walk in, and I pay for the gas. And then I walk out, and I pump it. He's like, yo, how did you get this money? We all knew we were broke. Like, all of us knew we were broke. We were in college right. together, man. We all know we're broke. <laughs> right. We have no money. So, uh, so he's like, where did you get the money from? I was like, don't worry about it, dude. God took care of it. He's like, where did you get the money from? I said, dude, don't worry about it. God took care of it. And he's like, uh, I don't want your gas or whatever the case is. You're like, dude, you, you're tripping. So I put the gas in the car. We drive off. And he's like, live it the whole way home. Like well, seriously, man. Guess, like, li- like seriously, like, livid. Seriously, livid, dude. He didn't. He didn't want to drive off. He didn't want me in his car. He's like freaking out. And hmm. um, uh, his girlfriend was like, "Calm down, dude. Like this is Jeremy." And uh, I, I apparently he called me a lot of derogatory names. You know, like I like pretty much he said that end probably stolen. What? Right. Yeah, yeah. And so, so which I would, yeah. <laughs> so hold on, yeah. hold on. So you're driving to the to get the gas, or you're around there, and everything is perfectly fine. You go, pay for the gas, pump the gas, and now he's mad. Correct. Hmm. Hmm. And then accuse you of stealing. So when he made that comment, what was the first, you know, what were some of the things that were going through your mind? I mean, as a friend of yours, you know. Well, the fact that it's happening, I'm just like, you know, I'm laughing it off because, you know, at first I'm like, I cannot believe this guy is serious. Like, we're friends. Like, dude, come on. Like, you right. know me. Like, first of all, dude, you know, before I met Jesus, I, I, I you know, like, dude, I had a reputation. I'm not going to spend $20. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, 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 first of all, come on, man. So, and then, you know, I didn't hear him say the word. His girlfriend is who told me because she came to uh... me crying and apologizing. She came to me crying wow. and apologizing about what happened and told me wow. what took place. And from wow. there, I was crushed. I was crushed because, you know, I, I just laughed it off until she came and told me because apparently he would not come inside, you know, because I was inside. And then she, they were out there fighting, and she came in crying and was like, I apologize for his actions. I don't know who this man is right now. And she, she took off. She left. And then later wow. on, you know, that's when she told me, and I was, I was shocked, dude. I was, I was crushed. Wow. Um, and then I, left, I moved out of that house at that point, and then from there, things were not the same. Um, uh, I was a part of a multi, multi uh, cultural church, and so okay. it just really, it really, uh, really weakened my hope in that type of environment. And I right. felt as if I needed to go somewhere where people look like me. Right. Right. And I feel like that is where, you know, I guess let's just dive right into this, man. You know, I feel like that's where the issue lies. 
Um, I think there's a lot of things that we need to talk about here. And, and one of the things when we were talking back and forth, when this thing with Ahmad happened, um, you know, I, I think about the church and I think about how churches are set up. And I think about some of the churches I've been to to minister at. I think about some places I've been over the years. And um, most of the people know what I look like on, on that's listening to the show. If you don't, uh, I am a, a Italian, uh, a Polish, 36 year old, uh, white church leader. And so I've, I've been in all different types of churches and people seem to just do what you said. They navigate towards what they're most comfortable with. And then they hate mm. everything that is different than them. And, you know, to me, uh, racism is, it's more than just a, a color issue. Obviously it's a, it's a heart issue, um, mm-hmm. that needs to be dealt with and dealt with directly. The problem is uh, that I see anyways, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, Jeremy, please, um, is that when, when especially what we're seeing going on with Ahmad and, and uh, the, the young black men who, and, and women who have been absolutely just innocently murdered for no reason at all whatsoever. Guys jogging, somebody's doing this, guys in his car, guys outside a, a, a grocery store, whatever the case may be, and nobody else opens their mouth um, except those who look like the person that is being um, that is getting attacked uh, physically. So if it's a young black man, every, everybody I see in the, in, in the, in the black culture, you know, where's the justice, where's the justice. And you have the white people sitting there going, well, this happens to, to us. What happens when a white, when a black cop kills a white guy, how come there's nothing there? And I, I think it's total pride and, and, and it's evil, flat out evil that we cannot you know, fight what is right, call out justice for what it is, uh, and then peeling over to that into the body of Christ where we still see on Sundays the church, the kingdom of God. Right? How many times, have you, Jeremy, have you heard the kingdom has no color? The kingdom has no color. Yet right. the church is still yeah. one of the most segregated institutions in America. What are some of your thoughts on some of the things that I just said? It, it, it really is um... – the church uh, really is one of the most segregated places on on planet Earth, specifically on a Sunday morning, which to me uh, is ridiculous. Because if, if Jesus came to save humanity, then it should be no issue for those of us who follow him to care about uh, humanity. Not an ethnic right. race, not an ethnicity, not a skin color, but humanity. Right. It's, it's, it's irresponsible of us, especially if you if you feel the Holy Spirit. Like, come on, uh, right? You know, to 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 have little to no concern for the entire human race, right? right? And so, you know, when we when we look at this issue of the church being segregated in America. I believe, you know, first of all, I want to say I do believe that there are sectors or remnants of believers within the body who are not accepting this segregation and speaking out regarding it and uh, uh, trying to trying to bring change. You're one of them. We're one of those people. Uh, right. So, uh, but I believe I believe preference is one of, one of the things that bring division within the body of Christ. Musical preference. Well, you know, I, I like I like CTM. Uh, I like I like uh, I like hip hop. I like I like uh, I like uh, you know the Bethel stream. I like uh, hymns, and so right. and so we're divided on that. What 
what worship is that, that God actually responds to. We're divided on clothing. I mean, we're mm. divided on so many different things that preference has become one of the major uh, uh, di- uh, dividers within the church. You know, uh, I like his style of preaching versus his style of preaching. We can both be saying the same thing. Right, right. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, go ahead. No, go ahead. No, you go ahead. No, so so I believe preference is a big issue, but but let's let's kind of go a little bit deeper and step on some toes. I don't mind. Uh, I believe uh, America is still one of the most segregated countries on the planet. So so it's no wonder that the church is segregated. It's it's the whole country segregated. Uh, 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 you know, apart from uh, now here's the thing: we created a constitution that was based on biblical principles, but we don't reference the Bible in which it was created upon. And we don't we don't we don't utilize biblical uh, biblical uh, uh, standards throughout the uh, throughout the country in which the country was founded upon biblical standards. So yet right. we're divided even within ourselves. And so how can we expect? And then and then we have we have preachers who preach a segregated message, such as cut them off, get rid of them. You know, it's twenty twenty. Get rid of your haters and all of the other right. stuff that we say that gets likes and gets attention, but it's anti-Christian, anti-kingdom, anti-Bible. Right. It's because you're playing towards flesh. You know, you're, you're literally playing into their flesh. So if they're hurt and somebody's been all up on top of somebody and, you know, I just can't get this, and then you get a prophetic word. I'm using air quotes right now as I'm saying prophetic word, uh, you know, to, uh, you know, you got to cut these people loose, cut these people dry. Boom, that's confirmation, brother. Thank you so much. I appreciate the confirmation. And it's almost like you use the Bible as an excuse to treat people like absolute garbage um, for mm. your selfish fleshly wants and desires, which is just really the tip of the iceberg, because we're going to get much deeper into some of the things that we got going on here. But I mean, I mean, Jeremy, we've seen this, you know, we're connected in some networks, we're connected in different uh, streams of people, some are friends, some are just, Mm -hmm. I guess, acquaintances. And, you know, uh, I'm sure you (laughs) see a lot of the many things that that I see as well. So, you know, Uh, hate sales. Right. Right. Uh, you know, Apostle John, let's get right to it. Hate sales. Right. Sex sales, hate sales, that stuff right. makes money. So, so it's easy if for, for a minister of the gospel, if he wants to become popular, preach, preach what caters to the flesh. Preach, right. what, preach the underlining hate issues. Because when you tell people to cut them off, get rid of them, uh, you don't need them, you can't bring them into your necks, all you're doing is depositing hate for a face or a right. people or a group hmm. or a person that, 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 that begins to, that begins to grow and fester to now you feel like, you know, now you're suspicious of anybody that's in that group, looks like that person, sounds like that person, dresses like that person. You're suspicious. Why? Because I've been taught to cut off anyone that does this. Well, what if somebody did that unknowingly, ignorantly, and you're just going to place them inside of that category now? Right. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. You, you guys are listening to Car Talk with uh, with Johnny Ova, my special guest, Apostle Jeremy Gibson from Awakening Church in, in Florida. Uh, if you uh, would like to call in, our guest call number is 914-205-5647. Jeremy, we actually got our first caller uh, to call in. You ready for a live call? A Let's question from a caller? Sure. 
All right, let's bring on. Uh, uh, I'm going to call out your your area code and the first three digits of your phone number six three one five six nine. You are live with uh, Johnny and Jeremy. Hi, can you all hear me? Yes, we can. Thank you. Great. Well, I want to thank you both for having this conversation. I think that it's really important, and I think it's um, a very uh, uh, well-needed conversation in the church because I think that for too long um, the issue of race has been swept under the carpet. And it's, I think, one of the main pivotal reasons that the church has been weakened, Um, and I'm talking about corporately, we haven't really dealt with this race issue. I believe that it's undermined the authority and the power that the church can exercise. And this goes back a a way. So just to provide a little bit of historical context, um, those of us that are spirit filled, uh, those of us that believe in the charismatic movement and prior to that, the Pentecostal movement, which were birthed in this United States um, through the Azusa movement, we recall that, of course, there have always been through the generations those that have expressed um, Pentecost, but as a mass movement, um, there was a reawakening to this in the early 1900s. And God used a man named William Seymour to give birth to that. William Seymour was a black man. He was the, the he, he, he was his His parentage were slaves, and yet God used this man uh, in a mighty way. At that time, when we talk about um, breaking down divisions, one of the things that I believe breaks down divisions is just the the anointing of God. And when that movement began, people came from all over the country. They came from all over the world to participate and to access the move of God. And we know William Seymour mentored many individuals. They were various colors, ethnicities, you know, uh, men, women, uh, children. And so many people came from that movement. What's interesting is that we can see that some church uh, denominations grew out of that, beginning with, the Church of God in Christ, and uh, 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 I'm, I'm forgetting the name of the founder, but a black man. By the way, that Pentecostal denomination um, also kept in line with the same multicultural dimensions that uh, were that the Pentecostal movement was marked by. Mm-hmm. What began to happen with time, and, and church history records this is that that were part of the the Kojic movement that were white and other began to feel somewhat odd being under the leadership of a black man. And over time, they said, we need to exercise autonomy. The, the, The nature of the society at the time dictated that whites and blacks needed to be separate. Um, in the same way that William Seymour had to sit outside of a classroom at theology school. Similarly, this is the the nature of what was happening in the church. And right. so then we have other denominations, such as the Assemblies of God, and others that were birthed out of 
Sojik. And what's interesting is that when they began, they implemented racial policies. Black people cannot become ministers, et cetera, right. et cetera. So you talk about implementing so policies race-related inside of the, like the, the bylaws of the church congregational setting. Absolutely. And so when we talk about the black church, for example, it, we have to put it against the backdrop of what was happening in this country racially. Mm-hmm. And, yes, there are certain surface issues like preferences for music and worship styles, which are okay. Even in the Bible, there were different churches that had different flavors and cultures. However, when we get to the core of, of real division, we have to realize that the underpinnings of that had a lot to do with racism. Um, right. Certain churches have acknowledged that, but now we have come to a stage where I believe that we have to deal with it. We have to be able to talk to each other. Yes. We have to be able to understand each other. With my friends, and I'm African-American, excuse me, whether they're white or Asian, I like to have those conversations. It's important right. that we talk about race, about politics. Um, mm-hmm. We need to be able to talk about Trump. As Christians, mm-hmm. we ought to be able to say, hey, this is wrong. Right. We don't just celebrate everything just because we think he supports certain things that we believe as Christians. We should right. celebrate where he's right. We should be able to condemn when he's wrong. I agree. We play yep. politics in a way that is not uh, – uh, is not favorable, I think, often to seeing reconciliation. So those are just mm-hmm. my thoughts, but I'll pass it back to you guys. Well, thank you so much for, for, for calling. Uh, Jeremy, any thoughts on what he, he had to say? Yeah, I think there's a lot there uh, in regards to what I, – I'm sorry. I didn't know if you were asking a question or making a statement. If I, Did I miss your question or – No, yeah, he, he's off the line. He was just making a statement talking oh, okay. about how, you know, where a lot of the racism during the, the time in the body of Christ where, you know, in the early churches, um, like the Kojic Church, for example, where they – you know, when Correct. Assemblies of God were branching out, they were writing a lot of the racist cultural at the time laws into the bylaws of the church itself. And this is and this is completely true. I think and he was referencing uh, Bishop Bishop Mason, uh, who That's was the, the uh, founder. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, Charles Mason, the founder right? of the yeah, project movement. Yeah, right. Charles Mason. Yep. And so and so, I mean, honestly, this stems way back further than that, uh, uh, because realistically, the Bible was being used to control slaves and control and control most of society, even though it was not written to do that. It, right. it was used as a as a weapon, a mental weapon, to begin to control people and, and, and as a way to uh, bring them under under subjection to the control of the taskmaster of the day. Uh, right. uh, and, and so, you know, when we really begin to look at look at it from that perspective, uh, the Holy Spirit was then given, I believe, to uh, Bishop Seymour uh, during that time. William Seymour at that time uh, when the Azusa Street revival came about to break down the walls that, that were created uh, uh, through misinterpretation of, of biblical truths uh, as a way to bring uh, uh, people into uh, under subjection. And so, right. and so uh, I, think, I think it definitely is an underlying issue that stems deeply in racism. We see this in the Bible with, with, the, with the Jewish believers and even the Samaritans. God yep. even had to confront them. Uh, the Jewish believers on how they treated Samaritans, 
Uh, right. We see this. We see this before Christ, uh, with Christ on the scene at the woman at the well, and also we see this with the uh, with uh, with the apostles, with Peter and uh, uh, and Cornelius. Yep. And 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 how God had to you know, give him a vision and show him using his own understanding of food to to uh, uh, of how he is no longer uh, allowed to use racism as a reason as to why uh, people should not serve the Lord. Right. So, so yeah, it's it's a very deep issue. You know, one of the things that he mentioned, Jeremy, in there that I that I I kind of. I, I don't chuckle in like a, a sarcastic or a mocking type of way. It's not what I mean by that. Is that because he's right? He said that the anointing will break the yoke of 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 slavery, and I believe that to be a true statement. But I think we got to dive a little bit deeper than that because I think the church oh. walks a fine line of anointing and um, mental illness. To be quite honest with you, um, and all these things that feed the flesh. How many times, like you know. The spirit of the Lord was there, right? I, I, I joke about this. Every funeral a Christian ever does, all I hear is people got saved, people got healed, people got delivered. Really, at every funeral that you've ever ministered at, people getting saved, healed, <laughs> delivered, and set for, I mean, people manifesting in the middle of the funeral. I mean, it's this religious talk that we have right. literally embraced inside of that. And I think really knowing what the anointing is is extremely important because you're right, Jeremy, there's a lot of times in the scriptures where you where you see this but when you see the voice of christ the words of christ and we're going to get into how um you know the bible was used as a as a mental weapon uh, that was a, that's a good phrase there to describe that but um we're going to get into i i, I just you, you see christ coming to level the playing field right because mm-hmm. you had back in the day where the jews were wait listen we are jewish we're god's people you are not you are a gentile or you're right. or, or a runaway, you're a slave, and Christ is coming and going, yo, there's no man or woman, there's no Jew nor Greek, there's no right. slave or slave master. We are all right. one under the blood of Jesus Christ, right? And every time they tried to kick back, here comes Apostle Paul writing again, God is no juster of persons. He shows no favoritism towards anybody. And that was the fight of the Christians of that first century. They were coming to end that first century Jewish racism that was going on there, where they thought one race, the Jewish race, uh-huh. was superior to all these other races here. And, you know, uh-huh. that's a whole other thing where there's, there's racism in that area with the whole Zionist movement. But, you know, back to, back to this topic here about, about Sundays being the most segregated institutions in America. Uh, you know, and you're right, the world. Now we have we're it's like we're comfortable with the term black church, white church, Spanish church. Oh, Asian talk church. about it! I hate it. It's like we're we're comfortable with that. Like you literally have searches, and you know me. I, I own a marketing company, so when I build sites on my well, besides my own site, and we're mar- doing some marketing stuff, you'll have no idea the amount of churches with oh people are searching black church near me, or white church near me, or Latino church near me. And every time I think of that, it's like. Why are we so comfortable with this? Why can't we be like Paul? Why can't we be like the apostles, like Christ, and start fighting for equality where, listen, there is no black-white church. There is the church. Church doesn't have a shade. Church doesn't have a pigment color. There is no color in the kingdom of God. That's, That's the truth. But it seems like when we see people getting bullied, picked on, mocked, insulted, and murdered, because of a skin color, 
And all of a sudden, the church stays silent. Quiet. Crickets. Why do you feel, Jeremy, why do you feel, because listen, I'll, I'll share a quick story here. Uh, I'm, I'm at a, me and Rachel, um, you know, we just opened up our church. We're about six months into our church. We're invited to a pastor's, um, it's a pastor's uh, celebration. That's how it was said to me, like, like they were honoring pastors okay. on the island, right? And so I go to the church. I'm like, sure, I'll go. I, I was new. I was looking to just network and make connections. My idea was, listen, I really want to go and make some friends with some other pastors of the church, right? And so I was invited by mm-hmm. a Spanish guy. I get there. And, uh, and, and so my, for those of you who don't know, my wife, uh, Rachel, she's a mix of everything. She's Jamaican. She's Irish. She's Russian. She's there. So she's, she's literally everything. Um, so we walk into this church, and it is a, a, a 100% black church. I'm the only white guy in the church, the only one. And he pull, as soon as we get in, he separates me and my wife's hands and tells me to sit on one side, the guy at the door, and my wife to sit on the other side. What? And yeah, so we kind of gave him a little, little side-eye look. And I grab my wife's hands, we go sit down, and then they're, they're kind of just like looking at us because Rachel's now the only woman that's sitting over in this section over here. At one point during the service, they call up um, the pastors in the, in the church, and they actually have us sitting on these thrones behind the man preaching. You want to, and you know me, Jeremy. I am not your traditional church guy to begin with here. You want to talk about me crawling on my skin, uncomfortable? <laughs> dude, dude, I was just like, you got to be kidding me. And so I'm listening to this guy, and, and he's ministering. And so we're on these like little mini thrones. Then you have this the, the, the main pastor there in his like crown throne and this guy's preaching and prophesying literally like the most ridiculous stuff I've ever heard in my entire life. He ends up going over to my wife and says that drug issue, that drug issue that was in your past, God's going to take that and use that for his glory. My wife has not touched a drug in her entire life. Like my wife, let's be real. She's a mini, uh, a, a miss goody two shoes is my wife. Just that prim and proper, pretty straight lace all the way through. <laughs> she didn't touch a drug in her life. And I'm sitting there like, this guy calls this woman up and says, I see a house coming. And she's like, oh my goodness, I got a house today. I closed on my house today. And then I find out later, Jeremy, that that, that, was, her, that was his sister. And she bought a house that morning. And I'm like, oh, wow. what? Yeah, like what's going on here, right? So anyways, as he's starting to preach, he starts railing on white Christians turns around in the middle of the service and looks at me, gives like a little chuckle and he goes, no offense, brother, over. And turns around and continues to hammer white Christians. As I'm sitting there as the only white guy in this church with the, the, the whole congregation literally applauding, going crazy over the message that he was releasing. And it wasn't the Holy Spirit I was feeling in that place. It wasn't the move of God that was fueling their, their applause. In fact, many times when Jesus spoke, there was no applause. <laughs> it, was, it was more, oh, you got to be kidding me. Drink of my blood. I'm going to cruise, I'm going to yeah. eat of my flesh and drink of my blood. Speaking spiritually, right? And they didn't understand it. They, they weren't getting what he was saying. And it's, it's very often, I, I often think about, why is it that we have such a hard time fighting, one, for each other, but number two, fighting for equality? Uh, fighting for injustice when it comes to these issues. You That's know, a really a real, good question. Yeah, it's a shame. It, it, it's a shame. And I always, you know, as a solutionist, 
you know, I'm thinking, man, we gotta, we gotta come and, 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 and come up with some solutions here. So, um, I guess my, my question off of this whole big, big story here in regards to the seg, cause that's what came about when we we're talking about, you know, segregated institutions in my experience, one of my experiences that I, that I went through over here, um, was, was that I feel like white churches are white churches because they only appeal to white people. They play white people music. They, 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 they deliver the word in such a way where there's no cross cultural mix or even attention to that. And I feel like it's the same on the, on the black churches as well, too. I feel like they, everybody tries to cater to a specific type of audience that they would like in their church. I've met many pastors mm-hmm. who don't like people coming in. I don't want the homosexual in our church. I don't want yep. the transgender in our church. I don't want the purple haired spiky pe- hair in our church. I don't want blacks in our church. I don't want whites in our church. It's I just want the people that are going to make me feel comfortable. I want people that I can hang out with, that I'll be comfortable with, so I can have more friends to deal with my own rejection issues. That's what it seems like to me, Apostle. Uh, I have to agree with you wholeheartedly. And um, and for all of those spiky-haired, homosexual, transgender, uh, uh, multicultural, p- pink and purple people, blue, green people, <laughs> Uh, uh, come to Brandon, Florida. You, you, you're welcome in my church because uh, 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 we, we <laughs> honestly, I want the ones the church doesn't want anyway. So right. because those are the ones that, that when they give their heart to Jesus, they mean it for real. I, I, I don't want people who grew up uh, um, uh, uh, with some of these issues because the fact that they'll mistreat the person who really needs it. I, you know, I want the ones that, that society wants to cast away, and those are the ones that Jesus went after. If you look in the Gospels, he, he, all the ones that were rejected by society were the ones he said, come follow me. Hmm. Come follow me. Uh, uh, the Peters, the James, the Johns, uh, the ones who the rabbis didn't want. And I'm going somewhere with this because we look at the, when we look at the culture uh, at the age that those disciples were, they should have been already chosen by a rabbi because a rabbi right. was responsible for choosing their predecessor. So the rabbis mm-hmm. made the choice, and then the rabbi chose based upon the authoritative teaching, and they said, you know what, I feel you can mimic my teaching, my train of thought, so I want you to follow me. But seeing that all of the ones Jesus chose didn't have a rabbi, it was because none of the rabbis thought they were worthy of following them. So they were rejected men. They were outcasted, right? They were the mm-hmm. bottom of the barrel of society. And Jesus picked them up, chose them, and said, I have not, you have not chosen me, but I chose you. Because the custom of the day was for the rabbi to choose, choose the student. Mm-hmm. And so, which makes this, makes this point so powerful, is that the same ones the church is rejecting are the ones that God will be using and that God desires to use, that God desires to pour his love upon. And at the end of the day, no one and no one uh, should be looking down on anyone. Now, to your point, I feel as if uh, I, I feel as if one of the one of the major issues and uh, uh, in what you're talking about is the fact that we still label it a black church, a white church, a Hispanic church. I, I, I honestly, those terms get under my skin. Oh, <laughs> they I'm drive right me there with nuts. You. I'm they right drive there me with nuts you, because. Jesus didn't die. He didn't die for skin color. He died for humanity. And, yep. and it's so true that some pastors have such a preference behind who they want in their church. And that's why God is not at their church. 
because <laughs> in order to – exactly. You know, that's why they have to put on little programs and cute little shows, and, and, and it's, it's a bunch of entertainment. It's not really a church. It's, it's a musical. It's not really a church. It's a, it's, a, it's a play. And so the reason why they have to have all of these, all of these gimmicks it's because God isn't there. Because when God is there, he'll draw, he'll draw all kinds of people to your church. When right. God is there, it doesn't matter. Uh, unless you're living in a neighborhood where it's just 100% you know, or area or part of the country where it's 100% you know, the people that look like you, then obviously it will be different types of people that look like you. But it still would be different types of people. Uh, 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 so, you know, one of the things, uh, uh, Johnny, that I think the problem is, sir, is, uh, is that, Pastors need to get saved. Hmm. Hmm. How or can you tell pastor. me that you or quit pastor? How can <laughs> you tell me that you love God? You you've encountered Jesus in His Word, but yet you have a preference on who you will lead. Right. Right. You, you didn't meet. You didn't meet. You didn't meet Jesus. You met Java. You had some coffee that morning, but you didn't <laughs> meet Jesus. Right. You know. Right. Um, um, you know, so 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 honestly, I think uh, I think the number one the number one issue uh, that we're facing uh, well not number one but I believe one of the primary issues that we're facing within the church is a segregation within the heart of the leader because the leader will only preach he will only draw he will only do what's already inside of his heart so I think if we yep. get the pastors delivered from racism we get the pastors set free from uh, from, sec- uh, from uh, segregation in their own heart. And maybe their church will look different. Maybe their leadership will look different. Maybe, 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 maybe we'll start seeing a change within the church. Deal with the head. Right, right. Amen. You're listening to Core Talk with Johnny Over, my guest tonight, Apostle Jeremy Gibson. If you want to call in, uh, please give us a shout at 914-205-5647. Again, 914-205-5647. If you have a question for me uh, or Jeremy. Uh, Jeremy, the topic I want to kind of switch over to is silence. And, hmm. you know, I, I, this, I want to say this. First, I, on behalf of white church leaders, I want to apologize to you. Um, and I want to apologize to God and just the body of Christ as a whole. I am, as, again, as a, white, as a white man, so frustrated at my white brothers and sisters who see this obvious stuff and to me it's like worse and then worse -er 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 -er. (laughs) is the worst is they say nothing but they'll post political nonsense all day every day 24 7 conspiracy theorists this you know this one's getting paid off by this one obama's born over in 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 here he's the, the the antichrist george bush was this and that We'll post all this crazy stuff and be so vocal about this stuff, but a young man going for a jog getting murdered by two white guys, it's don't, 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 don't ruffle the feathers here. And I feel like I speak up and then I look like almost like I look to my right, my left, like, where's my other brothers and sisters here? And all my other, my black friends are, are, are saying something, but all my white friends are silent. And I thought a tweet by actually Andy Stanley really summed this up amazing. I don't know if you saw this, uh, Jeremy. I don't know if I sent this over to you prior to our, our show today, but Andy Stanley came out, and it was the first part of his tweet that really struck a chord with me. It says, I was told 
to stay silent, but I can't do it any longer. And he just wow. went off on racism. But wow. the, fir- the first line, Andy Stanley, he writes, I was wow. told to stay silent. Why? Why? Wow. Why? That shook me, man. Jeremy, that, that shook me. And, and even just hearing your story with your friend in the car, he's good. You pay for gas. You fill up gas. And all of a sudden, he manifests. It's like this racist demon just manifested right out of his heart. Where does this stem from? Well, I literally, I, literally I, I literally just pulled up Andy Stanley's post. He said, I've been advised not to post about the murder of Ahmad Aubrey until I calm down a bit, but that's part of the problem, isn't it? We calm down and go on about our business. This must end. Our black brothers and sisters need white advocates to bring this to an end. Count me in. Wow. I literally, I did not see that before. I just saw it now, just read it here live. And I am, I am happy. I am a bit emotional, um, a little frustrated, uh, relieved. So many different emotions. Reading this, uh, it's just it's, it's refreshing to hear. But why did it take so long? I think that's right. one of my questions. Would be why did it take? So long. Why did many lives had to be taken in order for us to speak up and speak out? It is a problem I have. Uh, uh, you know, if if for, for for white America to admit that this is a problem means that they have to become accountable to creating a solution, and also right. admitting that their silence is a problem. Right. And so and so the reason why a lot of people won't address it, won't speak up against it, is because. For them to admit that this is a problem means that they have to become accountable to now becoming a part of the solution because you cannot, right. you know, it's easy to turn a blind eye. I didn't see it. I didn't see it. So that way you can sleep at night. You know, your right. conscience doesn't bother you. But to admit you saw it and to admit it was wrong, meaning that now you're part of the, you're part of, uh, of the solution, you're, you're held accountable to bring in a solution. And most right. people don't want to do that because it's not touching their house until we until somebody screams black lives matter everyone's silent until we say black lives matter right. here's the problem oh man i right. know the, the line is going to start ringing now uh, <laughs> uh but but until we mention that and and the reason why saying black lives matter uh, uh, uh becomes a problem and then everyone starts shouting well all lives matter well 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 let's think about this the reason why you can't say all lives matter is because your life isn't threatened. So, right. so, so, so when you say all lives matter, hold on now, when your life is threatened in the same condition as our lives are threatened, we're not saying your life means less. It doesn't say our life means more. We're saying that our lives are valuable too. Hmm. So, do you feel threatened? So Jeremy, think, do you personally feel threatened at times? Yes, I do. Yes, I do. I was driving. I was driving. Um, I was coming home from Georgia, visiting my grandparents. I had my wife and my children in the car. I was pulled over for speeding. Did you Did you know that my family had a? I mean, they literally had a panic attack when we got pulled over. 
my, mm. my, my wife's freaking out. She's like, take your ID out, take everything out, put, put it on the steering wheel, put your hands on the steering wheel, don't move everybody. I mean, freaking out. Right. Because of the random traffic stops and the people being killed in that car in front of their children right. for nothing. A man being shot for cha- on the side of the road for changing his tire. Hmm. I mean, you know, there's several incidents that we can go on and on about that, that literally breaks my heart and even disgust and the fear of, of being black in America. And, wow. and, and, you know, we have, we have the excuse of saying, you know, get over it. You should be over it by now. But, but you mentioned the Holocaust. You don't tell the Jews to get over it. Right. Right. You're right. You are right. You're right, Jeremy. We got another uh, call. Are you ready to take a call? Let's do it. All right. We're going to bring on phone number ending in 9166. You are live on the air with Johnny and Jeremy. Hey, Apostle Johnny. It's Janelle. How are you? From New York. Hey, Janelle. What's up? What's up? What's up? Awesome, awesome talk that y'all are doing right now. It is absolutely amazing. Well, thank you for listening, Jay. And thank you for calling in. I appreciate it. Absolutely. I just wanted to uh, comment on something that Apostle Gibson had just mentioned. You had asked him if he, you know, he feels threatened and he gave it an instance. And, um, you know, I, I have been told by the awesome leader that I have that, you know, I need to really watch what I post because, you know, it can be a stumbling block to people and he's right. Right. So I, I tried really not to, to comment too much on this, this case, but I, I did because I just saw people that I've known forever condoning this, and I just lost it. Like, there was just no way. Like, I, I, you know, I don't understand how anybody can think that this was even remotely okay. And, you know, somebody was just saying, you know, oh, and race wasn't a factor. I was like, I'm sorry. The father is an active Klansman, and I studied the Klan a lot in college and did a whole extensive report on them and, you know, was going to send somebody in undercover because I couldn't do it myself, obviously. Um, So, (laughs) you know, (laughs) that would have been interesting. Guess who's coming to dinner? But, um, you know, it it just, it boggles my mind how people can justify this and say, well, you see that video that just came out. He was looking around at a, at a um, empty house site. And I'm like, but he stole Nothing. He took nothing. And I just find myself, I've had to pray a lot more because I just find myself getting angry and I get so angry and I'm frustrated and I'm exhausted all at the same time. Like it's, it's sad. A friend of mine just posted, just leaving a public record. I'm taking my dog for a walk. I have my cell phone. I have my license. Just letting you know what happens. I fully expect to come home, but in case anything happens, just leaving a public record of where I went. That's just not how it should be. Right. Right. No, no, you're right. And I actually saw, Janelle, some of your, the, the, one of the posts where the, the, they were trying to, with the, I think he walked onto like a construction site and they were trying to justify that this was why he was, he was killed. And I, I'm just tired of it. I, I'm, I am absolutely tired of it. I can't even imagine, uh, you know, what, what Janelle, uh, you're black and Jeremy, I couldn't even imagine you guys, you see these innocent black men and women being murdered and then all these just, well, he walked on to a, to a to a construction site so we should be shot so we should be murdered so we should be 
chased down. I, I just don't, I don't comprehend that. That doesn't make, that doesn't make sense to me. And I, you know, shaking my head isn't even, isn't even enough. It's an absolute disgrace that the, the overall, this, I'll just say this, the silence is deafening and the silence is speaking louder than, than, than what's really being. True. Well, uh, thank y'all for doing this. Talk. You know, I think it's much needed. Can I, can I say something really quick? Um, and I want to read this, uh, you know, Janelle, to your point, and, um, you know, John, uh, Pastor Over, you know, there's something I literally just posted. I want to take a moment and just bring perspective to this, that, that you know, black people are, we're tired. You know, uh, we can't go jogging, look at Ahmaud Aubrey. We can't relax in the comfort of our own homes, look at Botham Sean and Ta- uh, Tatiana right. Jefferson. Both of them killed in right. our home. We can't ask for help after being in a car crash, look at Jonathan Farrell. And, and Renisha McBride. We can't have a cell phone, but what happened to Stephen Clark. We can't leave a party to go get to safety, look what happened in Jordan Edwards. We can't play loud music, look what happened in Jordan Davis. We can't sell c- CDs, look what happened to Alton Sterling. We can't, or we can't sleep, look what happened to Ayanna Jones. We can't walk from the corner store, Mike Brown. We can't play cops and robbers, Tamir Rice. We can't go to church, the Charleston Nine shooting. We can't walk home with Skittles, Trayvon Martin. We can't hold a hairbrush while leaving our own bachelor party, Sean Bale. We can't party on New Year's, Oscar Grant. We can't get a normal traffic ticket, Sandra Bland. We can't lawfully carry a weapon, Philandro Castile. We can't break down on the public road for car problems, Corey Jones. We can't shop at Walmart, John Crawford. We can't have a disabled vehicle, Terrence Crutcher. We can't uh, read a book in our own car, Keith Scott. We can't wow. be, a, be a 10-year-old walking with our grandfather, Clifford Glover. We can't wow. decorate for a party, C- Claude Reese. We can't ask a cop a question, Randy Evans. We can't cash our check in peace, Yvonne Smallwood. We can't take out our wallet, Imando Dilio. We can't run, Walter Scott. We can't breathe, Eric Garner. We can't live, Freddie Gray. I think this community is tired. We're tired of giving excuses as to why we want to use the same opportunity people of different pigmentation use on a regular basis. I've seen men of different different color fight the police, punch the police, swing their bats at the police, and not once get shot. Right. Not once. There's videos all over the internet of it. Not once. Uh, I think. I think mainstream media has a lot to play in this as well um, uh, you you when you think of the word black you automatically think criminal dark uh evil mean thuggish all these different things that that that, that are used through hip-hop we're touching something now through hip-hop mm-hmm. through mm-hmm. through the urban context and culture that is used as a trophy uh which you know bizzle really brings out i love his music uh, um, because he brings a lot of that stuff out that we're that we're sold a lie in order to keep us, you know, uh, 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 mentally uh, uh, mentally brainwashed that this is the image and it's really a lie from the pit of hell. So so you know it's 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 also deeper than just racism from the from the uh, Caucasian perspective. You know we 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 hold ourselves hostage because of the same type of mentality that we that right. we continue to hold hold on to. So, so I don't. I want to. I want to also give a, a, a holistic approach. It is completely wrong, but it's also wrong for us uh, to to uh, uh, treat other African Americans that are that are that are that are intellectual as they're as if they're part of the problem because they desire to right. get an education. 
or, or, or because you know one may be of a lighter pigmentation than the other, and so now we have this colorist, you know, uh, racism within the black culture. I mean, it's deeper than that. And so I think right. I think in order for us to really really deal with all of it, uh, uh, it's going to take us a lot of time. Right, right. To get all of it. Right, right. Wow, that was that list is something else. I'm going to bring. I'm I'm so glad that 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 we have this caller on uh, Apostle Jeremy. Uh, four two three six. Patricia, you're on with uh, Johnny and Jeremy. Ah, uh, good evening. Um, this has been such a um, uh, excellent conversation. Um, I am a member of Pastor Johnny's Church. I'm a black woman in my fifties who has three black sons, and I can tell you, for years, I did not sleep from Friday to Sunday. You know, when they went out, the weekend began. I used to hate to see the weekend come. I can't tell you how many times I've been to the courthouse. I'll never forget the time my son woke me up out of my sleep and said, Mommy, come on upstairs. They're about to arrest me. Him and his friends were in our yard. And the sergeant decided he wanted to arrest my son because he he asked him, Why are you bothering us on the property? And the, the police officers came back to the house the two that were with him to apologize to me um, for the fact that my son had been arrested and where to tell me where he would be at. Um, but there's been just so much about this conversation this evening when you mentioned uh, you want to go where people look like me and the musical preference. You made me remember when I lived in Florida. I lived in Sanford where Tavon, uh, Trayvon Martin had been killed. And one of the reasons I came back home um, was because I couldn't find a church. Um, I had attended Upper Room, which is a multicultural church. Um, and when I went to Florida, my white friend that I work with invited me to her um, church. And so I went, and I happened to want, I wound up being the only black person in the church. And the pastor was fine, but the members were not fine. And week after week, um, they let me know that um, through their actions that me and my children were not welcome. So um, after that, I, had, I said, well, I'm just going to have to find a black church. I'm going to have to find us a church where people look like us. So then I go to a church in the neighborhood, and they're so religious um, that they asked me not to wear pants to church anymore, um, or if I felt like I had to wear my pants, don't come back. So, you know, there's a, a lot to this discussion. I just want to make this one point. Um, I like what you just said about um, it being on both sides because, I think back in 1999 when uh, Fred Price wrote that book, Race, Religion, and Racism, and um, what I was excited that somebody was finally discussing everything. And the thing that hurt me the most was when Creflo Dollar sent him that letter um, telling him that what he was doing was wrong. You know, there's a lot to this topic. And I just want to ask you, what do you think about, and I hate to use the word crossover like music, but what do you think about the black pastors that crossed over? And after they crossed over, they forgot where they came from. They forgot the mm. people, that people could, could give their tithes and offerings in the church. You know, they, they could minister to their people, but they didn't really free their people because they didn't really tell the truth. They don't tell the truth about the matter. You cross over, but you leave your people. You, don't, you want the rest of us to be quiet because you're on the other side. And you don't want anybody to see that you're black. What do you think about that? That is a very, very good question, and I think 
I think um, for some, it's a it's a way to escape the reality of where they came from, and and to in order to seem as if they arrived into a new a new uh, a new place. Uh, I, I honestly believe that in order to truly succeed, you have to have a successor. That means I have to reach back into the community in which I came from and teach others how to come out of it. Uh, I'm truly not free until I learn how to free others. Because if you use your freedom to, to bring me into bondage, are you truly free? Or are you mm-hmm. trying to see me in the same position you, were, you, you are internally uh, in? So I, perp- I personally believe in order for me to truly walk in freedom, I have to reach, reach back into the community that I, that I came from and help others escape its reality. Mm-hmm. Thank you. So what's, what, <laughs> yeah, you're welcome. So Trish, uh, Jeremy, let me tell you something about uh, Patricia here. And um, she is like my go-to for a lot of different things, even outside of, of racism. I love bouncing questions off her. She is a, a tremendous woman of God, just a tremendous woman, period. Um, and uh, she, she's just so full of wisdom. And I've gone to her a couple of times because sometimes, again, as a white man, I just can't process this stuff. I, I, I just, I'm not black. I'm not, I'm, I don't live through the fears that, 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 that some do. And I, 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 you know, when I need to get a a review, a renewed perspective or another, another voice in my ear, Patricia's my, my first phone call, uh, (laughs) is the the wisdom that comes from her is tremendous. Amen. Mm -hmm. Thank you for saying that. Amen. Love you, Trish. Thank you for, for, for calling uh, in, t- in tonight. Um, yeah, we have a lot of people on, man, and a lot of people listening right now. We've got some people chatting, and uh, they're really enjoying our, our conversation here. Um, so I, I want to, you know, we, we, we talked about a, a bunch of different things, and I want to literally try to get into solutions here a little bit. I do want to stick on the silence topic again. If you want to call in and have a couple questions. We'll take another caller or two before we before we end because we do got to get to some stuff, some more. You can call in at nine one four two zero five five six four seven, and make sure you share the podcast around. We'll get, this is going to be uh, available on iTunes probably within an hour after we end tonight. Um, but uh, but I want to talk about silence because there was something that you had said in our conversation, Jeremy, that that struck me, um, and uh, it was something to the extent of uh, a diverse church that stays silent is a white church. Um, I think that was it or, or something to that extent. And I, I really, I try to ask myself now, I've, I, I am not, I'm one that's very loud and vocal and I thank God that my parents have raised me the right way. Um, we, we were always raised. We never saw uh, black or white in that capacity. Uh, I, even growing up, I dated white girls. I've dated black girls, not just to date, but like some intention of like, Hey, you know, this could be like, it was never, it is one of the same to me. Um, and, and just how it obviously, um, it, it should be. And, I, and so my, where I have a struggle with Jeremy is when I look at my white brothers and sisters who stay silent on this issue, I ask why I, I'm trying to get to the why is it because they themselves hate people of different color? Is it because they themselves are scared for the backlash from people who hate different color? Um, what what can it possibly be? What do you think it is that makes people just absolutely silent on this issue? That is a that is a tremendous question, and I really have to give thought to it. Uh, uh, I think again, you know, and I think I addressed this earlier. 
is because they would have to admit that they're part of the problem. You know, it's easy to remain silent right. about an issue that doesn't touch your home it, hmm. it, it, when it doesn't affect you. You know, so it's, it's, it's easy to look. Uh, let's use the football an- analogy. Until you're on the field, you, you have no clue what the quarterback is dealing with. It's right. easy to sit in the stands and yell, oh, you should have did this, you should have did that. But until it's your son shot down in the middle of the street, until 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 it's 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 your your son chased in the neighborhood, you know, with Skittles and a soda in his hand. Uh, right. uh, it's easy to turn a blind eye because it's not affecting you. Right. And I think that's part of the problem. You know, we're not touched with the feelings of each other's infirmity. I think you Jesus see, and I would, that. and I would <laughs> challenge those people. I would challenge their even heart to be. Uh, 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 even a Christian, let alone a, a leader. You know, leaders are worse. I mean, you pastor a church, I pastor a church apostle. You know, when somebody in my church goes through something like this, I am, you want to talk about, you know, my flesh gets calmed down for a second, uh, you know, by my wife. And, uh, and the, you know, when I see this and I see the body, you know, just people, humanity in whole, that touches my home. Because, I tr- again, I truly believe the kingdom of God is greater than every kingdom on this earth. It's it's over every kingdom. It's in and and every state. And when I see when I see this happening to God's people, and yes, they are God's people. I it, like a it's like a righteous anger just burns inside of me. Uh, and wow. and and I want to shout. I want to fight. I want to. Uh, you know what 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 do we have to do? And then when I see again church people trying to then justify murder, justify taking a life. You know, it, it, it goes even more now. Now you're almost in a, an attack mode there, and I, we really got to deep this, this. The radio show is called Core Talk, and, and the conversations here in Core Talk are are designed to get to the core. Like let's unlay, let's rip apart a layer, and then let's dig out another layer, and then let's dig out another layer, and let's keep digging out these layers until we get to the root of something and really deal with the issue. Um, and uh, you know, and 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 you know. Man, you know, you're right, though. You're, you're right. Um, Jeremy, we have a, a caller here. I'm going to bring them on. Uh, phone number ending in 2685. Uh, I'm bringing you on, and you are live with Johnny and Jeremy. Welcome to Court Talk. Hi, Apostle. It's um, Jackie Betty. Hello. How are you? Hey. How you doing, hey. Prophet? How's everything? I'm good. I'm good. So here's my question. Before I have a question, I must tell you that for years, my heart has gone out for about justice. I'm, I'm really called to deal with justice. And so I, we've been praying for years about justice. Mm-hmm. I had to get my heart right because I'm, I'm a very open person. I hated white people mm-hmm. because when I came to this country, I never understood racism because mm-hmm. we don't have racism in Jamaica. We have a caste system. But when I came to this country, it blew my mind. I understood why a black man would retaliate and kill a white man. I'm telling you, I almost got to that point because of Mm. how I was treated and what I saw. So, but God will use passion because I had to get my heart right before I could really intercede. Because this is a principality, and maybe more than one principality. 
you ask the question as to why is it why the, 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 your white brothers do not um, want to address this. It's a heart issue, one, need to get their hearts right. Two, they need, it is a, 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 a fear of loss of power. It's an all that is the flesh. So my white brother and sister need to be honest with themselves and say to themselves, I'm afraid that if I open up like the guy was talking about, talking from um, Seymour and so on, um, Seymour issue and, and so on, and how the church had a structure in to keep the black man in place, which is still existing and exists in the church. If, 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 if my white brother and white sister does not repent for, of this, just like I had on my post, I had a post on and people probably didn't like it. Jesus kept um, his, his, his disciples out. He sent them out of the town because they were racist and they would have prevented him from meeting that woman at the well. It, hmm. And he knew that would have been a problem. Many of my white brothers and sisters need to go out of the town so we can deal with this issue. We need to be honest. We need to be upfront. We are having issues. Jackie! We are having <laughs> issues with our heart. And that's it. Oh, my key, issues with the heart and afraid to lose power. Hmm. Sounds like wow. an inferiority complex. Uh, um, right. You really, you really hit something really deep, uh, uh, Jackie. Uh, I'm, I'm, I really want to throw my credit card at you, my keys or something, because <laughs> uh, uh, I feel like I feel like you you're touching on an issue that's really underlining. Because if you look back and and even in history, let's even let's remove the church from the context of the conversation. We look at the 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 superiority complex. And, and invade and conquer um, uh, from the British settlers. Uh, they, they were looking to invade and conquer anything or any new territory. Uh, we see how the, the, the American Indians were, were done. We see how those in, uh, in uh, the Bahamas were conquered. And we can look at different cultural, uh, cultural examples of, of that and the subjugation. Of, of of people, and so I think I think I think you really touch a, a a really hardcore issue that we must get to the root of it. If I address this, will I give these people power? Will if I address this, will these people begin to rise up and no longer settle for the treatment, right? That uh, uh, that's been taking place for all these years. Will they become equal? With me, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and listen. Is that, and that's what you, is, is that something you think, Pastor John? Is that something you uh, you could give light to that, or what do you think about that? Yeah, it's again, it's hard for me to con- to to even to even because that was never anything that I've ever like that thought would never even cross like even hearing you say the words, will these people you know, have to, will be equal with me. Like my brain goes, of course they are equal with, uh, uh, you know, it's like, it's just addressing it as two separate people is, it it just, it just turns my stomach, but addressing this divisive Mm -hmm. thing. I absolutely agree with you. I think that, I think that, that Jackie hit the nail on the head in the sense that, you know, listen, you know, the, in order to, for racism, then I'll make this bold statement here. It's, 
in order for racism to start to turn around, the, the heart of the white people, the white church, the white church leaders has got to be affected. It has got to be affected. It has got to be uh, completely transformed, and a white voice needs to show. The problem that I've actually dealt with, Jeremy, is that sometimes black people don't want me speaking up on this cause. I've been literally attacked verbally um, for, uh, for speaking out or even trying to, to hold events. I'll give you an example. Just a couple uh, years ago, we tried to host an event to bring awareness to racism in our local community here called A Race to Hate. And uh, Janelle, who called in before, was making some phone calls for me. We were making some phone calls. These organizations like Black Lives Matter, they wouldn't come when they found out that I was white. They literally said they weren't coming with the white man, me, over the church like this. And so that infuriates the white side at times. You know right. what I'm saying? So you, mm-hmm. you'll have now whites now going, what do you mean? I'm trying to stick up for you. And now and then it just blows up into this big, you know, it just makes it worse. It's gasoline on, on fire. And, and it's really trying to get that. Trish, Patricia, you called them before, just sent me a text. The mindset of the world entered the church. And she's right. The mindset of the culture, just like the gentleman called earlier, too. You know, when the, 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 the racism that was going on in the country steeped into the church, uh, uh, and, 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 and that's where, again, the separation and division um, has, has begun. Uh, Jeremy, as a, white, as a white man, church leader myself, if I ask you this question, what can I do to help? What would be your response to that? Because, listen, I'm one man. I, I can apologize to you. I did before on the behalf of all white people. But that doesn't change the hearts of, 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 of racism in this country. It doesn't change the heart of white brothers and sisters, black brothers and sisters, Latino, whoever has that racist you know, inclination in their heart. That doesn't change it. What are some things that we can do to, to, to start this? Uh, how can I help? If you want me to march, I'll march. If we need to protest, I'll protest. If I need to host events, I'll host events. Sometimes I feel like white people feel uncomfortable in this area because – they just don't know what to do. Good, good question. Before I address that question, I do want to uh, uh, you know, respond to a statement you just made about, about um, uh, helping and, and the response of people. I think it's a, I think it's a two-headed snake. Uh, and the reason why I say that is a two-headed coin, two-headed snake, however you want to you know, use the vernacular, but I think, I think it's, a, it's a well-rounded issue. And so I want to bring a holistic approach that, that there are African-Americans who are racist, too, just like there are Caucasians who are racist. And I think the racism right. stems on both sides of the fence. I think majority of those black Americans uh, you know, are hurt. I think they're still dealing with underlying issues of poverty, of, of, of lack of resources, lack of education, lack of uh, you know, uh, opportunity because of their skin color, that it, it, it breeds hate. And it breeds uh, uh, your racism, uh, even within African American communities. There are racism with each other. So, so this thing is deep. It's very, very deep. It's, it's, it's trauma that's 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 brooding and and and, and festering. And so, and so, I think I think on one hand, some African Americans do not want to feel like I'm a charity case. So, you know, I want to know that if you're helping me, you're genuinely helping me and not helping me for you know, any type of political reason, you know, I'm not, I'm not helping you because I want to get votes or, or it's voting season. So now let me come out and put my attention on you guys only for the, for the, for the, for six months 
so I get all of my votes. And then once my votes are in, I'm done talking to you, you know, until right. something happens and I need your votes again. So, so right. I think, I think, you know, uh, Black America want, want we want to know that we're actually, you know, part of this country because we help build it. <laughs> we help build right. it. So, you know, but to your to your point at hand, like what can you do? I think there are some practical solutions that every church can implement to divert uh, to uh, you know, for diversity. I think there are practical solutions. You as a person, though, you know, uh, Apostle Johnny, you know, uh, 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 this is a behemoth. One man can't tackle it. It, right. it, it. it can't be on the back of one pastor. You know, this this takes some major influential people to lead the charge. Okay, right. so so for instance, Andy Stanley, we mentioned his name earlier. He has the platform. He has the voice. He has the influence to lead the charge to to start seeing some 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 difference. Uh, I, I right. think I think we need some major Jensen Franklin, you know, Andy Stanley. Uh, 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 we need some major voices, white voices, in America specifically, if we're going to deal with the church, in the church to really take a stand and do more than tweet, do more than post, do more than talk, and, and, and really and really start legislating for some changes within the community. Uh, I was just going to say, Jeremy, I, I don't mean to interrupt you. I was just going to say that. The fact that we're sitting here going, wow, they tweeted something, that's, a pro- that's progress, is, yeah. is insane. Is insane, yeah. you know, but it you're is. right. I was going to say it has to go beyond the tweet, a Facebook message, a post, just something that rouses the people going, yeah, like, you know, even the post that I put up, you know, pay, you know, wake up white people. What, is, what are we doing? My dear, dear fellow white pastors, pre, uh, uh, preachers, uh, all, all this stuff. Hey, let's not only speak up, but let's start implementing something. Let's start, let's start, let's start brainstorming. Let's start creating infrastructures to, to help in any type of way we can. A, a multicultural church with a white pastor that does not address racism is a white church. And in order for us to really address it, we have to start within our communities. I, I would love to challenge on a global scale every Caucasian pastor to start changing the structure of their church. And, and the way and, and to really address this thing head on, you know, right. could, number one, number one, have a discussion with intelligent, well-rounded people of color and an open forum that can help shed light on the present problem. Because if we must, we, we, we have to bring exposure to the issue right. so we can create solutions that are relevant to those affected by it. Right. So, so that's a start. That's a start. Hey, Andy, how about, how about you have a forum? <laughs> You know, right, in right. your church, in your church, with people so education. and address it. Education, education, number one, number one. I think number two, having people on the leadership team that look like the people in the congregation. Or, you know, right. So, you know, I, I go to this church. It's a multicultural church. All of us are multicultural, Hispanic, African-American, Asian, uh, 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 Jamaican, Bahamian, but the pastor's Caucasian and the whole leadership team. It's Caucasian. And you got one person on the team that's African-American or ethnic group, and they're the singer. Right. So you're right, pretty right. much telling me, so what you're telling me, I'm saying to somebody who's intellectual, what you're telling me is that all I'm good for is entertaining you. Because I sung for you, I sung mm. for you in, in the big house on the plantation. I sung for all of you uh, to entertain you. So when all you do is tell me I can sing and I can't do anything else, all you're doing is telling me I can entertain you again. 
That is the, right. I'm telling you, that's what I see. I'm not wow. saying it's right. I'm not saying it's true. But what I'm saying is that you have to look at it from that perspective. You have right. to view it like that as well. So have, have people of, of different ethnic groups on the leadership team so I can see myself in the leadership and I can right. connect to it. You know, I think also, also, you know, uh, 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 here's, a, here's a big one. Uh, uh, you know, I think evangelizing other places than the inner city. Right. Right. You know, it's amazing to me that all of our evangelism efforts is always in the inner city, but you never go to the suburbs where people are popping pills, commit suicide, and domestic right. violence rates are extremely high. But we don't talk about that. We don't talk about that in upper-class, middle-class America. We only talk about what's going on in the inner cities as if they are the only ones who need Jesus. And we're not addressing, we're not addressing the, the, the 60-year-old kid who's, who, who, who's dealing with the divorce of their parents, pill-popping, and, and, and all this other stuff that's taking place in that, in that community. Do you understand the point? So let's evangelize yeah. or, 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 you, or send our buses or send our efforts to other people other than just saying that we're the only ones who have a problem or we're the only ones who need Jesus. I'm not saying we don't, right, but I'm right. saying we do. I'm saying let's diversify it. Absolutely. You know? Absolutely. You're listening to Core Talk with Johnny Ova, uh, my special guest, Apostle Jeremy Gibson, uh, addressing the topic of racism in the church. We're going to take another call right now uh, with the number ending in 8111. You are live on Core Talk with Johnny and Jeremy. Hi, it's Kira from I'm Sound of Heaven. Hey, Kira. What's Hi, going on? Hey, Kira. Hi. <laughs> um. I guess it's more of a, of a statement. Also, um, comes like my perspective of sure. dealing with it, especially for, for uh, my generation, by like so much confusion. Um, and also my yeah, just everything, <laughs> just about. So, um, I from what I know, especially from what I've been through, all the I'm backtrack, small backtrack. I'm a um, teacher kid, and um, and even though I grew up in church, um, I knew church more than God. And um and it made me angry at God for a lot of things, especially for like, the racist the dealing with the racist um you know part like and and I would say in the house of God in most um churches and and I was um raised in Pentecostal Kojic to be exact um and um I'll be so confused um as to you know um why. If if God really do love us, um, besides you know from like the deep religion of being like you're gonna face you a sinner instead of God, like, instead of instead of you know telling people that they are loved by Him, um, why is it that um, if if God really do love us, why do do um, you know we actually like or view as matter so much <laughs> as everyone else, and why are you no know, um, are we so separated from white people, and why are white pa- um, white pastors are, or especially the older generation from like you know fifties, sixties, um, even though they don't preach it, you know anymore. Well, not I guess like eighteen hundreds, but the, especially through the slavery, saying you know, God favors, um, favors white people more than black people, and I get to be so confused, and 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 I've. I would say, if so, then why, um, why is that we going through so much, and why are we, um, um, still facing so much? Why do, why do I fear for 
my the men in my family, and I'm such a kid. And why am I facing like this and the third? Plus, um, the issues I'm already going through with with my own personal life at home, and and I'd be so confused. And and like if if so, then why would you know, um, you know, it's, um, I I thought I was being forced into. And of course, you know, especially now my generation, they they refer to Jesus as white Jesus in quotes, and um and and. And I became so angry and an atheist, and 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 so like you know being so betrayed, and even after, um, um, I'm getting like being saved after getting saved at 17, um, I still have those um thoughts because um I was like try to like get out of it, but it's so it's hard because all you like because this is my life, it's our life being black in America and also being a Christian, and 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 it's. And it's really hard to break out of that um that hurt and and trying to like you know trust again people of other races oh, without thinking you know like um okay okay this white pastor is um is saying good things and like you know like 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 they preach love and so much love and but but then next thing you know we go and like on their page it's like stopping their face when it comes to issues like this and I remember um a few years ago I went to a conference in l a uh, for, mm-hmm. for, I'm not gonna mention the church, but but it's, it's a pretty um big church, a well known church, and they had a very first conference at one of the, the theaters that they have in L. A. And um and I followed you know like um the pastor, the wife, and everyone, and then I remember um during the um uh, well um the outbreak or like um the mention of how the KKK was like the like doing a protest or a riot through um through our town and. Everyone is like, um, like you know, like even some, some other like pastors are finally, um, well, I think one or two from from what I saw was finally saying, you know, speaking up and talking. And only thing I I heard from from people I supported, I felt like you know, was a week, um, was just a week, shared post saying, oh how sad, oh wow, but everything else to be so passionate with their own words. But those all make wait so like you like you know. Like down for everything else, but when it comes to black like like black people, and what's going on in the world, and the the moment you finally have the chance to actually say something, it's, it's a repost with a week. Oh wow, oh oh wow, praying or you know like it's it's like do they, do they actually care? Do they actually care having one nation together, or 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 is it a popular thing to say? Especially now, what we're going through is a popular thing to say. Especially this, I'm 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 just saying I hate. I admit I hate it. Um, I really do hate it, and I, and I feel like it's a stop in the face as well. It's the team colorblind movement. That's what I call it. It's it's, I'm not, it's, it's when they they um say I don't see color. Um, I don't see any color. I don't care if you're black, blue, blah blah, whatever. I don't see color. Yay! And to me, um, it's a stop in the face because now you um you choosing you you basically saying that you're choosing to ignore what's going on. And and like right. and and it's basically like if if your kid or you break well break a leg and said oh I don't see brokenness or I don't see an injury the Bible says you heal so you heal blah 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 without right. taking you or your child to the um to the ER to get a, to like to get a fix it, it, like it's, it's going to get worse so even with this like even I, I, um their version of of trying of I would say fixing a problem is being team colorblind and and that's and and that's a slap in the face because the more you ignore it. Um, if the more you should become ignorant, if there will be racism, and when there's ignorance, there's racism, and and, and that's not going to do anything. Now, not only that, it's, it just it 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 it'll, it encourages it. It really does. 
And I remember I was watching a video of Steve Harvey. Um, it was, it was he um for two parents um and um because a viral video of a um black boy and white boy. It was a twin day, and I went to the teacher saying, "Can you tell um can you tell us apart? They had the, the same haircut, same outfit, and um and, and they brought him to the stage. And a white father said, "It's not color blindness; it's color blessing because it's a blessing to, to see how God can make everyone so beautiful in their own way." Why is yeah. that so hard to do right. and, and, and choosing to be colorblind? Team colorblind movement. No, you're, you're choosing to, to be ignorant because, like, it really is. You're not going to ignore a broken leg and, and say, oh, the scripture said, by our stripes we healed. Okay, that's nice, but so it's going to get worse, you know? Or, but, but, right. but, like, well, you know, like, like, like a, a fast curtain, a wall, and say, well, we don't talk about it. Well, why, why do I bring race to it or... Or, or why got to bring it up? And I, I'm team though, you know, we're all, we're all one race, the human race, to go out one color, we'll be all one, okay, okay, if that's, the, if that's what it is, then do something about it instead of being colorblind and being uh, choosing to be ignorant. Now, now it's obvious that, that you're choosing to be ignorant, and when you choose to be ignorant, you're choosing to be racist because you're choosing to be silent instead of, Standing up for hate and and racism is a sin. Like you, right. you choose to to talk on homosexuality and everything else. And like to uh, how, how about we, we talk about the sin that and that's been roaming now, roaming around our country for for a hundred of years, which is racism, because that's hate right there. So so like that's my frustration, and that's um and it's hard to to um. Because I realized that it, it, it'll take longer for each uh, individual, for African Americans, um, person with God, to actually to, to like break through and heal from it. Because it affects us, um, each of us, same way though, but like individually different. And like, and it's so hard um, to like, even for me to uh, speak with my brother, my black brother and sisters, and like, and they ask me, you know, well, if we friends with all, all the white people, how can you trust them? And I understand what they're going through because once you feel like you trust them, it's like it's a huge slap in the face, you know. And and and, and it brings so much frustration. Even what Janelle said, you get exhausted because because it really is, you know, like our life and and some something we never ever asked for. And so if, so I guess the statement of agreeing, you know, with the silence is it really is um, a choice that they're making and and. And like they're acting like it's going to kill them just to 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 not face other racism other us uh, in their congregation, but the ones that's like you know with it themselves right right Kara, all great 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 points um Jeremy, you want to comment on anything that she had mentioned yeah, one of the things that uh that she mentioned that uh I was like I'm definitely going to say something about that. And one of the things when you had mentioned about, you know, uh, the Bible being a, a white man's book, I definitely want right. to get that. And uh, because, you know, we, we have right now two things. Number one, the Bible isn't a white man's book. It's honestly, realistically, it's a Jewish man's book. <laughs> right, <that's good>. <laughs> <laughs> it's really, you know, and I don't mean to laugh, We're confused. but it's so funny because it is confused. Right? Realistically, it's a Jewish man's book. Uh, it was written, it was written for them. It was written to them. You know, honestly, it was written to them uh, and we get the benefit of the, their writings and get yep. to live, you know, by the principles in which, you know, they, 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 they taught. 
um, to help us. Uh, but nevertheless, it was not a white man's book. It's not a black man's book. It's really a Jewish man's book, and that uh, we get the benefit from. Now, now when we really deal with that, we see where that thought process has led to a group of people who call themselves, you know, black Hebrew Israelites, right. who now want to, you know, uh, bring about a, a separation between faiths. So that's a whole other topic that we got to really deal with, and it's too. I don't want to go into all of that, but it's but it's but it's something we have to address because when individuals like her, like myself, have encountered these things in the church, it, it causes us to to say, I don't want to go to this church any longer because if Jesus is love, then where the heck the love is for me? You right, know, right, I right. went to this church. I went to this church because. If everything I was missing in life was love and acceptance, that's the reason why I ran to the streets because the streets accepted me, and right. so and so and so I'm missing I'm missing love and acceptance. So I went to this church because y'all preach love and acceptance, but yet I'm not being loved and accepted because I don't fit into your into your classism, right? Either right. a I don't have money, or two I'm not the right color. And so, right. you know, one of the things I want to say to, say to her is that uh, uh, your relationship with God uh, uh, is not predicated on how other people respond to your skin color, how they respond to where you live, how they respond to your upbringing, or how they respond to you as a person. Uh, uh, your relationship with God is not based on any of that. It's based on your heart towards him and towards his people. And, and, uh, I, I can say that boldly because I left the church. I backslid over over a similar situation, and you know when I came back, I really realized that I put more faith in God's leaders than I did in God. And so I had to really really ask myself: Am I serving God or am I serving God's church? Right? There's a difference. We can serve the church and don't even know God. You can pastor a church that don't have no relationship with the Holy Spirit or with Jesus. Yep, absolutely. You can you you can attend a church, serve faithfully in leadership, go through Bible college, and do not know God. And so and so when I had these when when this all this stuff came to a head for me, the the, the reality of it was that I had to realize that I was serving the church, I was serving the leader, but I was not serving God because I allow their treatment of me to di dictate my relationship with him. Hmm. Hmm. So I had wow. to really, had to really, had to really learn. Uh, I had to really learn this principle I'm about to say, and that is we must, we must teach people the message of the kingdom and the reality of heaven uh, along with their sonship in Jesus Christ. Cause when we identity. teach the message identity, when we teach identity, because at the end of the day, all of this stuff is going to fade. All of this stuff is going to fade. Now, we deal with eschatology, but I'm not talking about fade as far as the rapture and all of that stuff. I'm talking about the fact that this racism, this, this, this hate, all of this stuff is going gonna, is gonna, is gonna to be over with. And so, and, so, and so when the kingdom of God is present on the earth through us who know him, it should be advancing beyond, beyond racism, beyond color, beyond creed, right? In the kingdom, there is, no, there is no ethnic group. There's only one group, 
right. and that is sons and daughters of God. That's right. In the kingdom, and the kingdom of God is now within us. Then we have the responsibility to teach everyone in our congregation and those who we come in contact with the power of the 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 destruction of of a race because there's only one race, the human race. The destruction yep. of race, the destruction of colorism, the destruction of hatred, and that all men, color, creed, everyone is accepted in the blood of Jesus Christ. And the moment you give your heart to Jesus, you are no longer what it is that you. You're no longer African American. You're no longer white. You know that is the reality of it. But the yep. truth of the matter is, is that I still have to live in this black skin. You still have to live in this white skin and be treated. Like, like the skin, like the, you know, treat, be treated that way, but yet you have to maintain a mentality of who you are in the kingdom and continue to live that life. And it's a, it's a hard one. It's not easy. There's persecution behind it. There's, 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 there's a, a, a trials. There's tests. There are, there are a, a scars. There are battles. There are bruises behind it by maintaining this mentality, but, but you'll leave such a legacy. So I just want to encourage you, woman of God, to, to stay focused. On, on your relationship with the Lord. You're in an awesome church, uh, Sound of Heaven. You're an amazing church, sitting an amazing leader. And I think, I, think, uh, I think just continue to soak in what your leader is giving you. Uh, you're you're going you're gonna to be able to help so many other people change their perspective on all of this. Amen. Amen. But, hey, uh, Jeremy, we don't want a, a Christianity with persecution. We want a Christianity with, with cars and new homes and and. and and although this is what we want dropped on the front of our doorstep every day, we don't want the persecution part. We want the blessing part. We don't want the valley. We want the mountaintop. We just want to hop mountains, just go bump up. And, 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 and usually that entails climbing over, over people's backs in, in the meantime. Um, but uh, uh, we, got about, <laughs> we got about seven minutes left on our, on our, t- on our talk today, and I do want to pray. But, um, you know, Focusing on hate, I think at the end of the day, you know, I, you know, it was something that you had mentioned before that really stuck out to me. And I was just like, man, you know what? He's right. Yeah. White people need to start keeping white people accountable for their hatred in their heart. Because just like Kira said, it, it, and it's a great point, hatred is – this is what it is. Are we standing – forget the color of the skin. Are we standing against hatred or are we not? And if we are standing against hatred, um, are we going – is there preferences of who can be hated – and abused and murdered and beaten up and mocked or, or is there not? Are we really all one under the blood of Jesus or are we going to have, have special people and favorites? It's like America thinks we're the new Israel, but again, that's another story for another day. You almost got me going on a rapture rant, um, Jeremy, but, <laughs> save that for the next but, uh, but, but it's, it's, this is the, you know, if, if white people kept white people accountable and black people kept black people, it really, it's each race has got to keep its own culture in check when it comes to this stuff and be vocal and unify in power. And education is one really powerful way that you think that, that you brought up educate people. I also think that's another thing. I, I don't think, and I don't, I don't want to open up too much here. So we got like six and a half minutes here, but I don't think white people truly understand how black people live in the country. Um, we're, we're, we're sometimes stuck in our bubble. Uh, and we don't under like we don't that sometimes when I talk to other white leaders about this, it's not even a concept that this actually exists. It's like, really? Like, 
Like, come on, no. And I think that's where a lot of the get over it. It's complete ignorance of the reality of the situations of a life they don't live. It's like when you go on a mission trip, you know, people live in America. They think this is the way everybody lives. You go over to Haiti and all of a sudden you're like, whoa, what, wait, what just happened here? They get electricity for four hours a day. You know, they still, you know, selling food like this. So I think the education is important and the infrastructure and the stories and the continuing to, you know, having men and one dialogue and discussions like this that we can share with people, but at the same time, also allowing church settings and group settings and gatherings of people coming together of, of, of just hearing people out, hearing different ideas and then doing the work, understanding the, the situations in your region, in your neighborhood and things that every local church can grab hold on and, and start building within their communities and within their cities to start bridging the gap between black, white, Latino and, and all different races to end this absolute nonsense. But it's not a one man thing, man. It's a, it, it is going to be a, it's a major task and it is going to be a group effort, but we can't let that uh, stop us uh, from doing anything. We, we've got to believe our God can do something amazing in our generation. Yeah, I agree. I agree wholeheartedly, man. I agree. Amen. All right. So we got about four minutes left, Apostle. Uh, I would like to close out in prayer. Uh, I, I would like for you to pray and then I'm going to join you in prayer. So wh- why don't you go ahead, Apostle? Okay. Father, I thank you for this opportunity we had to discuss such a timely topic. Lord, this is on your heart. This is part of your mandate to bring about a, a, a change in our current culture as you brought, brought about a change in the culture in which you lived in during that time. Father, I thank you for the wisdom to be able to bring about strategy, solutions, to, to, to transform the, the mind of the people that not only listen to us, but those who will encounter our lives from this point moving forward. Father, I thank you that we will no, no longer remain silent. We will no longer remain subject to this yes. spirit yes. that is trying to control our mentality and keep us, keep us uh, segregated and keep us controlled by, by our flesh. And, Lord God, we thank you, Father, that you are empowering us by the Holy Spirit to be solutionists and to be activists. Father, you hate injustice. We thank you, Lord God, that that, that the Holy Spirit within us is fighting for justice for all mankind as we ourselves are becoming freer and being liberated by the power of your grace. I thank you, Lord, for for Apostle Johnny and and his boldness. To, 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 to have, have me on and to have this discussion, that all of those who have listened and will listen to this podcast will be blessed, convicted, empowered, and, 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 also, and also, Lord God, inspired to make a difference. I bless you in Jesus' name. Amen. And, Father, in the name of Jesus, I just pray you expose every racist heart in this country and in this world in the name of Jesus, Father God. Lord God, that you would expose it from the inside out, Father God, that a season of repentance would come over your church and your people, Lord God, yes. that a new unity would form, Lord God, that forgiveness would take place, that, 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 that genuine heart transformation would take place, and all wickedness and hatred at the heart of every man and woman, Father God, that manifests in racism uh, would just come crashing down in the name of Jesus. So we release justice over this country, Lord God, and let your true church rise up in Jesus' name, we pray. Amen and amen. Amen. Bro, thank you so much for your time, man, uh, today. I mean, this was uh, longer than I expected, but it, we didn't even get to some of the topics. But, I mean, I thought, it was, I thought it was a great time. Jeremy, why don't you tell people how they can get a hold of you? 
Yeah, if you want to get a hold of me, you can reach me at awclife.org. That's my church. But you can also uh, you can also email me, Pastor J, the letter J, at awclife.org. And uh, you'll also find me on Facebook, Jeremy Gibson on Facebook as well. Yeah, I got uh, and and if you didn't catch that, I got all of uh, Apostle Jeremy's information in the notes of the show. You're able to see his website, email, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. You get it, you get him on on everything, and reach out to him if you have any questions. But again, bro, thank you so much uh, for jumping on with me today. Uh, we may have to do a part two. I have a feeling I'm going to get a lot of feedback from this, and I, and I think it could be the start of something awesome. I'm here for it, man. Thank you for having me on, and uh, I hope we do get to do a part two. I, I love it. Awesome, brother. Tell your family I said hello. We love you guys. God bless you. Thank you for listening to Core Talk Radio. I'm your host, Johnny Ova, with my special guest tonight, Apostle Jeremy Gibson. Have an amazing, amazing night, and uh, God bless. Thank you for listening to Core Talk with Johnny Ova. Please subscribe to and rate five stars, please. This podcast on iTunes, Spotify, and wherever you listen to your podcast. Don't forget to download our app, Sound of Heaven, in your iOS app store or Android marketplace. Thanks again for listening, and don't forget to tell your friends.